You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are our Redeemer. I thank you, Lord, that who you are and what you do, what you do in our lives is final. It is settled. Thank you, Lord, that your words are like no other, that they are words of life, that they are words of power, and they accomplish what you purposed them to do. Father, I pray this morning that you would take the words that you have given me and give me the grace to say and that what you have put on my heart to say. We give you praise. And Lord, I ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding and open the eyes of our hearts and the things that are said that you will plant them deeply and that they will prosper in the thing that you send them forth to do. And thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. In Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 31, we find these words. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Have you ever wondered about that statement? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. At the time of the Apostle Paul, the Roman Empire reigned supreme. Now just to give you an idea of how vast this empire was, their empire was 2 million square miles. That's a lot of land. You know, that went all the way from, from the east side of Asia over to, to Britain, to Egypt. That's a lot of coverage. And the, their, their empire was so big that there came a point in time that they had to divide it in two to be able to operate it. And one of the things that made the Romans so proficient was not only their infrastructure, but they had a superior army. You don't get that much land by just, uh, I think we're going to take it. 
They were, they were supreme. They were good at fighting. Two million square miles. If you look at how big Asia Minor is and where Britain is, that is a lot of territory. But what I want to say to you, in the end, they did themselves in. And they fell to a greater enemy. And they brought about their own demise by giving in to, their, to the sins and the depravity and that just came tumbling down. And a greater and another empire came along. But what I want to say to you this morning is that as vast as that empire was and it did come to an end, that we are part of a kingdom that will not end, that is eternal. We serve a king that reigns and rules forever. A king who already put under his feet all enemies that we would ever face. So when he says, you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you, And then he, he says, in all these things, the trials of life, you are more than a conqueror. And not sometime in the future, not when everything is, just seems to be going right. Right now, where you are in your seat, you are more than a conqueror. Who Jesus is, the way, the truth, and the life. He's the final authority. He's the final word. He is the way who gives us access to the Father, who shows us the way to walk. He is the truth, and He is the life. It is not open for discussion. It's not open for debate. It's not open to revision. And that's a good thing. That when he says it, that's it. And what he says for us is for our good. So that right now, this is who we are in him. So when he says in Acts 17, 28, which we've, we've been referencing, in Him we live, we're alive, we move and have our being. That is, there's a, such a mouthful, there's such a more in that, that verse for that to be able to happen. But the idea that right now we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. In Ephesians chapter 6, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 2, 
And Tom had referenced this last week in his message. Starting at verse 4, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the fact that he, who, we who were dead in sin, he raised us up. He overcame death. He paid the price. And he raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So the reason why I'm, I'm mentioning this is that it talks about being seated. And in the Old Testament, when the, when the high priest, and Jesus is our high priest right now, in Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 11, And every priest stands daily at his service. When the priest went in to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, there was no chair in, that, in the setting up of the things in there. The priest stood. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But Jesus, after he ascended, and there are numerous places where it talked about him being seated in the heavens, in the heavenly places at the right hand of God. And in verse 12, so it says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. It was done. He didn't have to stand and keep on doing it. That is huge. That, that sacrifice, what he did, that one-time event of paying the price and ransoming us, he sat down. It was final. So now we, through him, he seats us together with him. So that before any encounter, any difficulty, any trial, any battle, we are already more than conquerors. And that when we go into it, we don't have to be at the mercy of the circumstance or what people would try to tell us or even the daily stresses of our responsibilities. If it takes away your peace, if it brings you stress, if 
It's something that is beyond you than that which it tries to do. Then that, that's a major thing in trying to take you captive. Tom last week when he shared, he said if we're, if we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, then our view should be different. And that's right. I would say then if we really believe what we believe, not only should our view be different, but then our response should be different. That's the beginning. When Christ opens our eyes and reveals who we are in Him, what He says about our position that we have in Him and that we're overcomers, that's laying out the map. And then the next step then is to implement, to, to walk out what that map is telling us to do. Then in terms of how we conduct ourselves. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, Peter, a servant and an apostle of Christ Jesus, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Christ, that we've received a, we received precious faith, like precious faith. It says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. It's not up for grabs. He has granted to us. And it says that he has called us, he invites us to his own glory and excellence to do it well. So he wants us to be able to reign well, to do well, by which he's given us precious and great promises. And then to be partakers is to be a participant, a willing participant. In 1 John Chapter 4, verse 4, we find these words. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Who's he talking about? This is, he's talking about the enemy. He's talking about the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world. You are from God. Your new point of origin, when we come to Christ, when you receive Him as Lord, your point of origin is that you are born of God and have overcome them. For He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. And then a little bit later in that same chapter, 
Starting at verse 16, he says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. He wants us to have confidence before him. And because of what he did at the cross, love perfected with us that we can have confidence before Him and that we can have confidence through Him. That we can come boldly before Him when we make our requests. That when we walk, we can walk into the day with confidence no matter what comes our way, what we see and what we don't see. Even if we get broadsided, by something that we don't see. Tom referenced last week in, his, in that same message, we are justified. We are found because of the cross when we receive his sacrifice, not guilty. That's the final word. And there were numerous places. Again, Romans, Romans 5.1, we have now been justified. Romans, Romans 5.19, we have been justified by his blood. And there's numerous other places. We have been justified. And so, he makes the point again, going over to 1 John chapter 5. Starting at verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the Christ has been born of God. And that word of is significant. That little preposition, born of God, that's your point of origin. That's where you came from. When you come to Him, that's ground zero. That's the new ground zero. Not the old man, the new man. The new creation. Born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God?
problem is that sometimes, and more often than I care to admit, first of all, I let my weaknesses define me. Anybody struggle with besetting sin? Or we let the circumstances define us. Or we let the enemy come and taunt us when we, when we sin, when we mess up. If it's been an area of an ongoing struggle. But in light of these eternal truths, don't let your weaknesses, don't let the enemy, don't let your circumstances define you. The moment that we do that, we've created a prison for ourselves. I just want to share with you one, one story here. Most of us are familiar with the story of Gideon. I could have used some other examples, but Gideon, for as many times as we hear that story, it, it amazes me that first of all, God seeks him out. And the first words out of his mouth are, O mighty man of valor. Now you would think, that for the angel of the Lord, for the Lord to appear to Gideon and to address him in that way, that, wow, me? But when we look at Gideon's response to what the Lord said about Gideon, that went in one ear and out the other. And what Gideon's response was is that he he looked at his weaknesses. He said, oh, I'm from this tribe and I'm, I'm, I'm down here and I'm hiding. And he just went, he just zeroed on his, on his weakness. He never once pondered the idea of who was addressing him, who he was encountering. And yet in this exchange, in the midst of this insecurity, uh, and, and that God wants to use him to bring about a victory. He, 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 he says to God, well, God, if this is the, to be the case, then I, I want you to do this thing for me. And so not only does God do that, but then Gideon's response again, well, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do and this is how you want it to play out, then then do this for me with the fleece. Did God walk away? No. God didn't, did God say, Gideon, I'm just giving up. I'll find somebody else. Forget it. He didn't do that. And God used him. And God prevailed and brought about a mighty victory with him. In spite of his insecurities Israel I the reason why I wanted to say something about Israel is sometimes we 
When God rescued Israel from Egypt, his plan was to go through the desert, through the wilderness with his bride for them to walk side by side with the microphone. No, to walk side by side through the wilderness and for God to bring them into that promised land. But instead of being a honeymoon and instead of walking with his bride and enjoying that relationship, the Lord gave me a picture that it was like, come on, Israel. Come on, Israel. Come on. Come on. And every step along the way, why did you bring us out here? What's this all about? We've got no water. We've got no food. Every step along the way. And then just for good measure, why'd there have to be giants in the land? He sent them out into the promised land to spy it out. And then they come back, why are there, why'd there have to be giants? Well, the reason why there are giants is I believe that God wanted them to partake in the victory that he had for them. It says here that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, so we are, in, we are walking in cooperation as a co-laborer with him, that, that he wants this to be a team effort. If we're partakers of a divine nature, then we have to learn. It wasn't automatic. So when he said, why'd there have to be giants? Well, part of what he wanted to do is he wanted to show Israel his great love to them that he had their back. That there was not one word of his promise that failed. And he wanted them to exercise their trust in him and partake in that victory. Imagine, if you will, what would it have looked like? I read that verse earlier, as he is, so are we in this world. Imagine if Israel would have responded when they heard his voice, yes, Lord, we're going to take you up on that. Can you imagine how different that would have looked? There would not have been the 40 years, I believe, in the wilderness. I think that I believe their journey would have been shortened. But instead, today, if you hear his voice, what did they choose to do? They proved him for 40 years. And for, for us, I think there are times when we, when we come into different situations, I settle for less. I think, man, if I can get through this, whatever way, if I survive... I'm good with that. We settle for less. No, that's not what God has called us to. When he came into the world, he said, I have come that I might have life and have it just a little bit. More what? More abundantly. More abundantly. He just, doesn't, he, doesn't, he just doesn't want us to, to survive or just, uh, just kind of endure. 
He wants us to reign in life. Paul's response in Romans 8.38. The very first words in that verse. I am sure. In another translation it says, I am persuaded in verse 38 of that chapter 8. He says, I am sure that neither death nor life, there's one or the other, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not open for discussion. There is nothing in any way, shape, or form. Life, death, spiritual beings, things present, things to come, whatever. He covers it all and said, there is nothing Paul settled it in his hearts, in his heart. And so we have to settle it in our hearts that there is nothing. And so I, I want to encourage you that when, when we read that set of verses, you know, I started out with verse uh, 31 here. What then shall we say to these things? I want you to make that personal. What shall I say to these things? Paul said, I am sure. He was convinced. And so, in this whole thing of looking at being an overcomer, we do have an enemy whose sole purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy, who does not want us to walk in what Christ has called us to be and who we are in Him. And I so love that story that Tom shared uh, the quote about Nancy Misler and that when the, when the taunts came of the enemy when the doubts when the unbelief would try to assail her that was su- what was shared that that was such a teachable moment there that she she went to God confessed her sin admitted to struggling pulled out these three by five cards with the sword of the spirit written on them, the word of God, spoke them to herself and chose to align her feel and, and chose to align her thinking with what God said and wasn't going to give up. And God honored that and God did that. That is such a how-to-filled testimony and an example. And so, in Romans, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's not a one-time thing. That you may be able to prove 
that by testing you may discern what is that good, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In one translation it says that you may be able to prove. And I think the night, what I like about that is that you may be able to see the evidence for yourself that this, this works. This is good. And so along with that, the time to prepare and, and, having, and developing that mindset of walking as an overcomer is not when we're in the midst of the battle, but beforehand. Paul writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, prepare your minds for action. Whether we want to admit it or not, we are in a war. It may not always manifest itself every day, but make no mistake, there was one who walks around as a prowling lion doing what? Seeking whom he may devour. So when we choose, when we purpose, God, we're not going to be stamped out of the same mold as everybody else in the world. You called us to a different trajectory, to a higher plane, to a different way of thinking. Renew your mind. And it is the will of God to reign. Romans 5, 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You may be in a fierce battle right now, but I tell you that if God said this, then that's the final word. And in Romans 8 verse 6 it says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. So going back to 1 Peter here for a moment and to preparing our minds for action a little bit later in that same chapter he talks about in Christ ransoming us and him paying the price for us he makes he makes this statement it says knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. That there's a different way. That while our, in our old man they were feudal, now there's a whole new different way. And speaking, so in, in Ephesians chapter 5, 18 and 19, and talking about renewing our mind, it says in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs.
Not just the idea of, of just saying words, but embracing these words, these words that are final. When, when Christ speaks into our life, when he gives you a word, when he gives you a prophecy, I said earlier that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he brings each one of those things to bear when he speaks what he says about who you are to do what he wants to do, to bring about what he wants to bring about. So he provides the way. What he says is final. And what he does and what he says brings about life. Those three things, who he is, he brings that to bear when he speaks into your life, when we, when we, when we join him and what he's called us to be as overcomers. And finally, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. What power? That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And of love. How powerful is that love? That love which it says in 1 John 4 that is able to cast out fear. That love which says you are accepted by him and can walk in confidence in his presence and come before him in confidence and on the day of judgment. And of self-control. That we can respond that we can act in right thinking. No, as Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, no, in all these things, you are more than conquerors through Christ who loves you. His love for you never fails never gives up, never runs out, never goes out to lunch and you got to wait and come back, is steadfast, unchanging, stands by us in the midst of our insecurities to bring us to the place where he wants us to be with him, seated in heavenly places, to walk into the abundant life, to walk into the plan that he has for you, to walk into your calling, to walk and grow in confidence with him, hearing his voice, and go forth and to do mighty exploits. Amen. Father,
We thank you that we are loved by you beyond measure. What we can ask, think, or imagine, we can't put a boundary on it. We thank you, Lord, that you are our sufficiency, that you are the strength of our heart, that you take us and make us more than conquerors, that that's who we are. We are who you say we are. And Father, I just ask right now that for my brothers and sisters who are in a place where they feel like they're being squeezed on every side, where they've been in a long-standing battle. You said in the midst of these things, these trials, Lord, we are more than conquerors. And so, Lord, on the truth that you have seated us with you in heavenly places, I pray in the name of Jesus for breakthrough, that they will come through to the other side, that your victory and will be made manifest, and that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all that they can ask, think, or imagine. You said it, Lord. You're the final word. And Father, I pray that you would continue to take us forward in you and who we are in you as more than conquerors, in Jesus' name, amen.